0: Amen, good morning. good morning. I'm glad you're here for Easter. welcome if you're here and you're our guest today. I'm really glad you're here, as Pastor Matt said, Romans five is where we're going to begin this morning. I want to kind of give you an overview. I really want to talk about three things this morning. obviously, there is the resurrection like we we are gathered today Easter Sunday, really the core ideas that Jesus rose from the dead and just we can woohoo that's good all right so um woohoo and uh so If there was no resurrection, right? Paul says, if there's no resurrection, then our gospel is in vain. And really, with no resurrection, that makes Jesus just like everyone in human history who has died. Now, many, many died on a Roman cross. Many were crucified. Only Jesus died for our sins and rose from the grave. So there is a significant difference. As we gather around Easter, we celebrate the resurrection. And so we gathered on Friday night, and we talked about the crucifixion, the death of Jesus. We talked about his last meal as he gathered with his disciples, as he began to unfold more meaning, more truth about himself to those who would follow him. Disciple just means a follower of or student of. And so even as we are disciples of Jesus today, We pressed into what was that meaning that he was conveying to them in that final night of his life. And then, as we have said, of course, Good Friday, uh, and and I use the term celebrates, but memorializes, remembers, celebrates the crucifixion. And, And the only reason that's a celebration is that Jesus took our penalty in our place, right? Jesus died a death we deserve, and he did not. And he did so that we could be reconciled to God. And so as we did that, we left here in more of a quiet, somber, reflective place on Friday night. And today, today is a celebration of new life, and there is the resurrection. So, of course, that is primary. The second thing we want to talk about is baptism, as baptism identifies the death and resurrection of Jesus. And the third thing, and and, and no less significant, is that the shift from death to life, and not just the shift from death to life in Jesus... But the because of the resurrection, we too are invited into a shift from death to life. Again, baptism celebrates that. Baptism teaches us that. So as we gather this morning, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at Romans. We're going to talk about this shift from death to life. We're going to tie it to Jesus and to baptism. And then we're going to do baptisms at the end of the service. And so a very exciting morning as we get to baptize I think baptisms on Easter are the most significant day of the year to do baptisms. It is an amazing time of identifying that resurrection, and so there's no better day. And so we just celebrate that, and and here's what we have done. I know many of you are our guests today, and you've come here, and you weren't intending to be baptized, and you just came here to visit us on Easter Sunday, but maybe there are some, maybe there are those of you that are here that would want to take that step of faith and say, "I, I want to be baptized and so I know you haven't prepared, but as Generations Church, we have prepared for you. And just as we do with all our uh, all those planned baptisms, if you all those that we knew already, we give them a pair of shorts and a T-shirt for baptism, and we baptize them. We're going to extend that to you today. And so I would pray that if you're here today, that you would hear the overwhelming love of Jesus. That you would, in a world as just as Pastor Matt had just said, in a world so filled with death shootings and, and just craziness out in the world, the loss of loved ones, tragedy, all the things that have taken place so recently, that we will remember that in Christ we have a shift from death to life. If you're a note taker, as many of you are, I'm going to give you just kind of a main idea today. The Easter message is that Jesus has gone from death to life and invites us to do the same. In a world filled with so much death, we need life. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We, we come together today to celebrate you, your resurrection. We gather in your name. We sing songs of worship to you. We pray to you. And really, Jesus, we ask you to speak. May I fade into your background somewhere. And Jesus, will you take center stage. Will you come and will you speak? And may that word go out to us, your church, through the power of your spirit to us. As Pastor Matt said, may may we be soft-hearted. May we hear you in a brand new way today. I pray for those who are being baptized today. Lord, may this be this marker in their faith, that they would be identified with the death and resurrection of Jesus. And those who have come today who maybe weren't being, who were not prepared for that. Lord, maybe you're speaking to their hearts even now, and I pray that you would soften their hearts, that they would come, that they would identify with your death and resurrection as well. Jesus, just as I have, as we all have, we have come, and we have said we want to give our lives to you. So Jesus, we ask that you would take us, teach us, lead us today. It's in your name we pray, amen. Romans 5, we're gonna start in verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. And and so admittedly, jumping into the middle of Romans 5 is like walking in the middle of a movie or like near the end of the movie, if you will. And so what's going on is really Paul, the author of Romans, is writing to a church in Rome. That's why it bears the name Romans. And Paul has been walking through them saying, listen, I long to come see you. I want to come share the gospel. I want to come teach you. I want to come be with you. But right now, I haven't been able to, let me write you this letter to encourage you. And so he begins really from the beginning of the gospel, and he shares with this church that no matter what your background, no matter if you were raised in faith, or if you were, you know, you come from a family of no faith or some other faith or whatever it is that no matter where you are, that is that Paul's writing to them, that all of us meet at this point of being in need of Jesus. And he does it very simply by outlining a gospel that is very simple, and it's in its really in its essence, but it is unending in the way it impacts our lives. And so we always talk about here creation, fall, redemption, restoration. And the the idea is that there's a God who created us. That's creation, that you were designed by God. I know that there's a larger debate in society that culture would tell you that you're a random accident of science. I know that's a challenge to believe at best, right? And that doesn't mean that there's not scientific arguments. There's not all these things out there. But all I would say to you today, ignoring age of the earth and everything else, all I would say is this. Even science can't tell you how those first things began. And we would just say that there's a God who created. Okay, however that looks, however that played out, there's a God who created us. And in that, that God designed us. And that there's a way we were meant to be. And that we were were created to be worshipers of God. And so there's creation. Fall is when we have chosen to go our own way. Humanity has gone and been uh, has really, other than worship God, has chosen to really, at our core, worship ourselves, right? At, the, at, at my worst, I, I worship me, not God, right? At my best, I worship God to the best of my ability, right? And worshiping me, in other words, choosing anything that God has said, this is not how you're designed to be, This is not how you were created to live. And you say, okay, listen, God, I know you created me. I know you designed me. I know you gave me life. I know you got the whole ball rolling here. But I know better than you. (laughs) And so I'm going to go my way. And listen, this, this comes from someone who was not raised in the church and who has a long, ugly background. And I went my way. And I said, listen, God, when I'm done having fun, I will come back and I will figure out what it looks like to follow you. And when my fun was no longer any fun, and it was just wrought with pain, I remember praying, and said, God, okay, you always said you could save me. Will you save me? And it was as simple as that, and, and, and as fall, what we're saying is that humanity has always sinned, that humanity has always separated itself from God. It is not any wonder that culture is moving further and further away from a faith-based culture. It's not a wonder because that's how we are wired. We are sinful at our core. And we've inherited that from generation and millennia of sinful people, and we've added to it. All of us know, sitting here, that we have all done wrong things, whether big wrong things or little wrong things. That's for another day. It's just that we have all done wrong, that we've all chosen to go our own way. So we've all piled sin on this crazy little planet we live on, and we've added to the depravity of the planet, to us. And so here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, there's a God who created you and loved you, designed you, still loves you, but you have chosen to move on your own way, and you've inherited sin. So here's what he says. I'm going to read it again. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Paul writes this in the beginning of his book. He says it this way, Romans 1. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for gods of image, for immortal God for images resembling mortal man, and birds and animal and creeping things. In other words, they traded worship of the Creator for worship of created things, like anything that we can create with our hands or we can do. We can trade for money, or we can trade worship of God for worship of money. But really, money is a created thing or status or intellect or anything else. And any time we decide we're not going to worship God and we're going to place something else as primary in our life, whether it be a good thing like a family or a negative thing like an addiction, that all of that is just trading worship of a creator for worship of something created. And so that has broken that relationship around God. Paul will go on in Romans 3 to also say this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us, if you're our visitor today, if you're our guest, if you're here and you you don't know anybody in this church or you just were kind of driving by and felt the urge to be here on Easter Sunday, we're incredibly glad that you're here. But the other thing, I I think the most important thing I would have you to know if you don't know us is we're not saying you're sinful, we're saying we're sinful. Right? That we all fall short for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, for all of sin and fall short of what God has called us to be. And so there's the way that God created us and there's the way that we are. And what is amazing is that God loves us so much that he is unwilling to leave this separation alone, that he's unwilling to leave us, those whom he loves, all of us, that he loves us so much that God wants to act on our behalf. So verse 13 says this, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam who was a type of the one to come. Paul is writing to a part Jewish audience and a part non-Jewish audience. Really, this is to the Jewish audience where he says, listen, for our history, even before we gained the law through Moses, for all of that, sin reigned. And what he's saying, sin has reigned from the first human all the way through to a codified law. He says, and in that, sin has always mastered humanity. that there has always been a humanity that want to go their own way, even though there's been a loving and benevolent and good God, desiring to love them and write that relationship with them. And he says this, he says, and then Adam, Adam was one, he's a type of one to come. In other words, he teaches us something that we will also learn about in Jesus. That as all have sinned in Adam, we're going to find that all will find faith in Jesus. Verse 15 says this, but the free gift is not like the trespass. Or sin, for if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift of grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. So he says, Listen: as Adam was the one who led us astray, there is one who, in Christ, you can return. He says, and as in Adam all died, how much more in Christ, God become flesh, as he has sacrificed himself on our behalf? How much more can we? receive grace. He says, yes, this this death, this sin, this removal from the presence of God, this this living in a way we were not designed to to live, this was terrible. And yes, this has permeated all of humanity. He says, yes, and this is bad. But much, much more do we find in Christ. And so no matter how bad the bad, Christ is more. Much, much more Paul will say today and for those of you that don't know me, I, uh, it, it, my story uh, leads from what I shared with you earlier to, uh, to years and years of addiction, which led to crime and trouble and in and out of jail and in and out of prison. And so when I say no matter how bad you are, Christ is still that much more good, that there is no matter who you are, that there is no distance too far, That there is no fall so far that Jesus cannot reach down and and lift you up. There's no death so bad that Jesus can't give you life. And and I just, I stand here just to tell you I, I uh, I am a story of that grace. That that gift has been much more. So the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died, verse 15, I'm rereading that. For if many die through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. So as we talked about creation, fall, redemption, that's where Jesus enters the story. and this. Again, as Pastor Matt said earlier, this is something we talk about every week, that the, the gospel, that the death and resurrection of Jesus, those aren't things that we reserve for Good Friday and Easter Sunday, but we talk about Jesus and the resurrection and the gospel every Sunday. We, we open up the Bible every Sunday, and we, allow, we just ask, God, please speak to us every Sunday. And all of it, from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, all, all of this is a story pointing to Jesus. That from Genesis to Revelation, the story is about a Savior, about a God who loves us, who created us. And even though we have run far away, there is a God who desires to redeem us, to bring us back, to to heal us, to restore us, to give us new life. And so Jesus came and he entered into human history. And Jesus came, God became flesh. God condescended to us, condescended to humanity, lowered himself, humbled himself to be like us. And he put on flesh and he lived this life. But he lived it the way God created us to live. And in that, he lived a life that glorified God. He lived a life that never chose himself over God. He lived a life that we were called to live. And in our place, he died on a cross, and then he took our penalty, our deserved penalty for sin. And when I, I, I say sin, again, I just it's choosing anything other than what God has called us to do, which is for our good anyhow. And so I don't say that casting judgment on any type of person or anything. It's all of us that all have sinned, all of us fall short of what God has called us to. and That the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life, that Jesus restores us from death to life. And so I stand here and I I would say to you, uh, I see myself as worse than anyone, but Jesus has lifted me out of that. And the grace of God found in Jesus Christ is much more. No matter how far you've strayed, Jesus is there to restore you. Verse 16 says this, and the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Justification is a, is a like a, a forensic accounting term. It just means to make it equal. Like when you balance your checkbook or when you go into debt and you pay it off, it's just making it balanced, making it equal, getting you out of debt. So it's saying is the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin that put us in debt. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following all of our trespasses brought justification or making us even, if you will. For if, it, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned from that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So that justification in, in this sense, not something we hear about or uh, not the way it's commonly used, But in this sense, it was just to bring us out of a debt to God that we couldn't pay. That Jesus paid our debt. Jesus paid our penalty. But I want you to hear the life that he's speaking of. It says much more those who receive grace through Jesus Christ. The free gift, and that's what the gospel is. The gospel is Jesus saying, listen, I will pay your penalty. There's no way you can pay your penalty. Your penalty just results in your death and your separation from God. But I will pay that for you. And, and I will give it to you freely. I will give you the cover of your sin. I, I will pay your debt freely. And I will give you much more. Because I will give you life. And I can tell you at the bottom of where I found myself, there was nothing but death and pain. And coming out of that, what I have found in Christ is nothing but life. And that Jesus would trade his death for mine And that he would give me his spirit and cause me to be different and call me to a new place, a place where on my worst day-to-day, it's better than my best day back then. That this, I could find life in Jesus. Verse 18, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the summary of all this this book, all the way up to the end of Romans is this. Humanity has sinned, and sin and sin. Humanity has gone their own way. Humanity has run far from God, but a loving and gracious God has has given Jesus, has given His only Son, has given God in the flesh, has taken our penalty. And however deep your sin is, however broken your life may be, Jesus is bigger. And that's what Paul is saying to us. He's saying, whatever it is, no matter how bad it is, whatever it is, Jesus is more. Paul continues to say, much more, much more. Jesus is much more. And he brings us to this point to understand, really, that in Jesus, as we find new life, so is what we talk about on Easter Sunday, the resurrection, it shouldn't stop at Good Friday with just our sins being forgiven, now, there's a difference if you are sinful, if you've done something wrong, if you have gotten in an argument and offended your brother or sister or mother or father, or son or daughter, whatever it is, if you have sinned against them, you can be forgiven, but that but that there does doesn't change you necessarily. There's still need of healing. And what Paul is saying here to us in Romans is listen, there is much more than just forgiveness. So there's much more than just Good Friday, where Jesus covers our sin. But in the resurrection, Jesus gives us life. And so there's a transformation. There's a shift that takes place from death to life where we don't go just to being forgiven dead people, if you will, to life. And in baptism, here's what we see. We see people go under the water, and we identify them with the death of Christ. We see them come up out of the water, identifying with the resurrection of Jesus. Easter Sunday celebrates that there is life found in Jesus it doesn't just celebrate forgiveness of sin, which is great. But it celebrates that God is good enough not just to forgive sin, but to transform our lives and make us new. Romans 6, starting in verse 1, says this, What shall we say then? Are we, continue, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Paul says, By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Verse 4, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him, meaning Jesus, in a death like his in baptism, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. And so he's tying this to baptism, and he's given baptism to us to to help us to understand really what our faith means. And so in the gospel, what we have is creation, how God made us to be fall, how we've messed it up, redemption, what Christ has done for us, and what we call restoration or recreation, how Christ is remaking us in his image or back to the way we were meant to be. That's what Paul calls that newness of life. And he says, listen, not it's much more than just covering whatever you've done wrong. It's much more than whatever I've done wrong, just kind of taking that away but it's transforming me, making me new, making me more like God created me to be, giving me life. And so that's why as Paul begins to bring into baptism, he says, listen, those of you who have been baptized into Christ, you've identified yourself with his death. But, I've got to say, but you've got to look at baptism. Baptism is a drama. It's, it is something to show us the meaning of our faith. And in this, imagine baptism, right? And so you've all seen someone go into the water and come up out of the water. But again, the gospel, this newness of life, what Paul's point is, is imagine someone being baptized and you take them and you push them into the water. That's it. What happens? It's not a good day for the church, right? Or we move into a prayer service or something, right? Because you hold them under the water, they die, But they come back out, symbolizing new life. In baptism, you identify with the death of Jesus, but you also identify with the resurrection of Jesus, that we too, not only our sin is covered, but we have been given his spirit a new life. And so Paul calls us to this. He calls us to understand baptism in light of that, in the light of that fourth part of the gospel, recreation or uh, 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 restoration. That we would be restored to the way that God has called us to be, created us to be. The way we have broken. And, and that looks different for all of us. That looks different. Like I said, mine was addiction and, and crime and, and just a whole bunch of ugliness. Maybe for you, it, it is pain and depression and struggle. Or maybe for you, it's a life that has just been fraught with trouble. Or maybe, maybe you, it's that your life hangs or rises and falls on your income, your job or your status or whatever it may be and all those things will let you down and all those things will be taken away from you at some point because we were created to worship God that our lives were created to bring glory to God and as long as we live in any way not doing that we just find ourselves further and further away and more and more broken And the call of God continually from a God who loves us is let me change you. Let me forgive you. Let me transform you. Let me give you life. Verse 6 says this. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been, I want you to hear this, for one who has died has been set free from sin has been set free from sin. I, I, am, I am no longer the man I was. I am no longer that person. I, I don't struggle with those things. I have struggled with other things, but though, I, I'm not that person. That God has placed that in my past and has called me to live a life of continually pointing to him. And as weak as I am and as flawed as I am and as often as I fail, I remain on that journey of just pointing to Jesus, that I continue to let him transform me in whatever ways he is using me and shaping me. And and generations as a church, we talk about gospel community mission, that that those are our values, that, that staying right here in the gospel, allowing Jesus to change us, allowing Jesus to use us. And that we do that in the context of community and that we join Jesus in his mission of loving other people of serving our city and loving the lost and and sharing and loving our neighbor. And we talk about making disciples, multiplying disciples, leaders, and churches. That our our goal is just to to see more people become students of Jesus. And as that takes place, some will rise up to leadership. And as that takes place, we will continue to send those out to start new churches. That's, That's it. It's just that simplicity of the gospel that Jesus moves us from death to life And we just want to see Jesus keep doing that. And we want him to use us to do that. If you're here this morning, maybe somebody invited you and you're here with them. Really, that's just who we are. We want to love you. We want to see you have that life that Jesus has given us. We want to see you know the life found in Christ. Verse 8 says, so if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Verse 10, it says, For death, the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passion. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law but under grace. If you are here today, and, and this this is for everyone here, whatever sin, whatever brokenness, whatever pain reigns in your life, whatever it is that plagues your life today, today maybe that is pain inflicted by things you have chosen to do that have just Have wrecked your life. Maybe that's pain caused by the sin of others. People have done things to you or caused pain in your life. Or maybe there's that internal struggle inside of you that has just never been right what you're here. Jesus would say to you, Come and let me bury that with my death. And let me transform you and give you life where there's only been darkness. And so Jesus would call you to that. Paul is writing the same gospel that the disciples proclaimed as the church was burst in Jerusalem, as it spread to Judea and, and, and Samaria, and as it went to the ends of the earth, that we are a product of that same gospel. And so Peter, just after the ascension of Jesus, as he rose from the grave and proved that he was alive and spent weeks on this earth showing himself to hundreds of people, literally, to prove he had rose from the dead, he ascended back to heaven as he should be. And he is seated on the throne where he continues to give us life. And as the gospel proclaimed by that first church sounded a lot just, just like this, there were those who were sitting there and they said, well, what must we do to follow Jesus? The answer came in Acts 2. Next slide. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Notice, again, it's not just forgiveness, but it's and new life. And you will be given the Spirit of Jesus. So he says this. The crowd says, okay, so what do we do to follow Jesus? And Peter just says, repent and be baptized. Repent is just an old military term, an old English military term term that just means turn 180 degrees and run for your life. And really, that's what it was. It was a military term where a commander on a, on a hill would look down to his army on the field, and when they were losing and they were going to die, he would yell, repent. And literally, the army would turn and run for their life. And that's what Jesus would say to us today. Whatever it is you're doing, whatever it is, whoever you are, wherever you are, that doesn't honor and glorify God fully, Turn and run for your life. Turn and run to Jesus for life. And he says, repent and be baptized if you've never been baptized. And you you would like to identify yourself with Jesus and you have that opportunity today. That you would be identified with the death of Jesus, the death he took in your place. The death he died so that you don't have to. The death he suffered through so that you don't have to suffer. The brokenness that he endured that you might be made whole. And that as you go into the water, that that old you washes away. And as you come out, you come out new. And you come out, you are promised. Jesus promises to give you his spirit, to put his spirit in you, to cause your heart to be different, to turn you to worshiping God. And so we're asking that today. And, and really, I will say this to you. If you don't know Jesus and if you've never identified yourself just as being a follower of Jesus, my prayer this week, and I would plead with you today, come, come. Meet Jesus today. Come and find the life that is why we all gather. It's not because we're perfect. We're far from that. It is because we're broken and we found life in Jesus. And in him we find newness of life week after week, day after day. And that begins in baptism. Whether you've wandered away, whether you've, you've come and, and you've kind of walked with Jesus before and you've just left him. or Whether you've never followed Jesus or whether you were raised in a home that had a home of faith but you have never just given your life to following Jesus, I would call you to repent. I would call you to turn towards Jesus. I would ask that you would give him everything. And if you would desire to be baptized today, that you would come, and and I'm gonna ask a couple of our elders and pastors that they would be right behind the soundboard, right behind you, and that you would come and just tell them as we move into worship. And so Joe, Band, would you guys go ahead and come on up, and I'm gonna pray, and then we will i kind of just tell you how the rest of the day is going to play out. Jesus, we love you, and I'm praying for all that are here today. I know we have guests today, and I'm so grateful, Jesus, that you would allow guests to come to our church, that you would honor us with the presence of those who want to honor you on Easter Sunday. And I know that they didn't come here expecting to be asked about baptism. And I know that many of them, maybe they have been baptized. I don't know, Lord. But it's not just about baptism. It's about giving our lives to you and following you. Baptism isn't something that saves us. It's an identifying of that we want to follow you every day, day in, day out. That we want to give you our lives. We want to give you our brokenness. We want to give you all that we have. And we want to ask you, God. We want to ask you, Jesus, to make us whole. And so I pray for all of us here. Lord, for those that you're stirring in their heart today, would you call them to just humble themselves, Lord, before you? Would you call them to... To be baptized, to identify themselves as a follower of yours, to to come and bring their brokenness and leave it in the water, to come out and that first breath may it be a breath of your spirit, and Lord, it's in your name we pray, Amen.